What up, Cowie? Hey, yo. How you doing, man? Why does it give you like 0.1 seconds to respond if you want to speak or not? Because <laughs> that's how it works. Hey, you're invited, but you gotta, you gotta decide yeah, you quick. Gotta decide quick. What up? Not much, man. We should, we'll just give people a good minute to trickle in. Orphan should be. I think he'll be coming. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Man, I'm so. Dude, I need to get away from NFT. I thought you just said right now there's a free mint trickling. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you've been you've been hunting the free mints. No, man. I'm like, uh, I don't even think I'd be good at it. Honestly, mm. I don't know. There's my Twitter. My Twitter feed is just full really? of it. See, my Twitter's no. I mean, not, not not too much, but enough that I'm like, oh my gosh. Your your feed needs to be curated, or you need to be part of some group. Or I don't quite understand it. Yeah, it's like you gotta be. You gotta like. I I feel like also like what who you follow helps right. a lot as far as like the value you pull from the space. Man, I'm getting old. <laughs> Hmm. tweet about it retweet about it blow it up everybody that's right <laughs> tell your friends tell your friends let's get some retweets out why can't I just t- tweet this space here What up, Janix? Nice to see you around. We'll be getting started in a moment. We're just waiting on the the one, the greatest. Is there okay to lie about this Twitter space in my tweet? For hype? Yeah, we endorse um, just engagement farming. Okay. I was trying to come up with one for you and I, I I'm sorry I didn't I already I already gave Yuga Labs to Shaka. What up, guys? <laughs> Yo. Uh, I could have partnered. I, I don't know who I could have partnered you with. I just said throwing shade at your favorite NFT artists. Tap in. Oh, yeah. I feel like that gets people yes. excited. Who should we shit on? I don't know. As clickbait as possible. Right. Shit on somebody. Mm, gotta be, it has to be like an NFT sweetheart. Like the dude behind... Paris Hilton. Um, Paris Hilton or the dude behind... Or PR Guitar Man. Is PR Guitar Man... In, Go after someone in innocent. Yeah, the Nyan Cat guy. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Neon or whatever. Like, who's gonna hate on that? Us, we will. Yeah, shit on Gary V. Actually. Yeah. Why don't you hustle your way away from me, Gary V? <laughs> Rising grind. 
Gary V's a dumb bitch, dude. Yo, you heard it here Facts. first. That's that's recorded too. My cousin worked for him once and said he's a he's low IQ. Your cousin, <laughs> super low IQ, dude. Maybe your cousin's anti eBay, anti garage sales. Yeah, well, my cousin, my cousin's super into garage sales. That's the whole rub here is that uh-huh. Gary V only goes to garage sales because he can't afford anything else. Right. So he's trying to he's trying to make chump change where and he, he's poor. We're in the garage sale meta of NFTs right now with these Freemans. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> that's really true. So I don't know if you can talk. It's like how so much what, is this? Seventy? Best I can do is zero. <laughs> What's the math behind Freemans? Like have you, did you think about that for Robo Ramen at all? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what not your like, calculus there. Not because I think that it's not because it like it appeals to me for any reason, but just because you want to sort of lay out every approach and every strategy and understand every angle. Yeah, and it comes down to creating enough hype so that you know in the first twelve or twenty four hours you see mm-hmm. you know at least 1k secondary volume for it to be successful. Yeah. That's insane. That's such a weird way to like Right. Well, you could you could measure you could weigh it against other options and there's no right way to do this. It's just all theory and like comparing it to other projects that have minted in the mm-hmm. last couple of weeks. But let's say you did, you know, let's say you wanted to drop a 10k and it had a price point of 0.08 because of that price and the amount you might only mint you know 500 very possible if you're not doing like crazy hype tactics as Mm -hmm. compared to doing a free mint and then seeing revenue come in through secondary so that way you'll have more you'll actually have more volume and you know more eat to fund the next step with essentially Mm. but yeah there's no there's Mm. no like science to this that seems so stressful yeah I mean, I guess if you do a free mint, like the you can rug more freely. <laughs> you you think that's like a sort of um reason for a lot of these projects to do free mint, or do you think they just sort of showed up overnight? So you know, free mint is viable for them. They only put in like one week of work. I think most of the projects that you see kind of blast off is probably like a month of work max. I think, I mean, personally, I think like it's just a nature of the market. It's like people just won't pay. You can make, you know, the math becomes you can make more money off secondary transactions than you can off a primary mint. Um, I'm back. But My bad. I, I don't fucking know, man. Like, the, I mean, the whole thing's a pump and dump. Like NFTs are just a giant pump and dump right now. It's the same way that ICOs um, and shit coins we're in 2017. It's the exact same That's thing. That's a right bold now. statement. Are you saying right now in this current state? Uh, hold up. Sorry. Right now in NFT's current state? Right. Oh, it's always been like that. Like since the beginning. Um, you know, art, it, it was just less transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people would say they're in it for the art. And some people were, but the people who understood what was going on were 
buying one of one art and then hyping it up as the greatest artist in order to sell it off onto someone else. Mm. Are there exceptions to this? Or do you think it's plenty? Yeah, Yeah. plenty of exceptions. Um, And, you know, the the more you prove you can make money off an idea, the more scammy people are going to come. And, you know, that's where we're at right now. It's just a bunch of scammers scamming each other. Right. Does it have to, it's almost like it has to stop being lucrative to filter out all these bad actors. Yeah. I mean, that's how, that's how market cycles go is like the bear market filters them out because if there's not money to be made, the people who are just here for the money are going to be right. They're going to leave, go do something, something else. I mean, that's how it feels right now. Yeah. The people who are here are, are in it for only the money though. They are late to the party. Um, mm-hmm. they miss the first third to half of a, you know, of a bull market because it hasn't been proven to their satisfaction. You know, they're, they're just opportunists. Right. So. so here's my thing though, is like, there still is money being made. Ridiculous money mm-hmm. being made, you know, like even, even with these Freemans, there's people who study them and like are on them before anyone else. And it's something that I don't understand at all. I'm just like from the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. But there's still a lot of money being made. And maybe that's, you know, maybe those smart people who were like early on just found a way to adapt. And they're pushing this free, free mint meta because they're making so much money off of it. Yeah. The people who are still making money have inside information for right. the most part. Right. It feels it's that not, way. It's not everyone, but they've, they've, they were the smart ones and they built their way into communities and movers and influencers. And they, they get the information before everyone else does. It's I think it's less about research because I mean, like if you're on the outside and you're doing research, you're, you're going to find out information, but you, it has no correlation to what projects succeed and what don't. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just all insider trading and pump and dumping. I mean, the the ICO craze in 2017. That's exactly what happened. There's a bunch of bunch of Telegram groups, a bunch of communities that would they would pump and dump, but then there were layers where each layer up dumped earlier <laughs> onto onto people in the group, and you know that's exactly what alpha groups are right now. That's terrifying, dude. I hate all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Take me back to it's ten minutes of- before <laughs> before I was enlightened. <laughs> It's just going to happen everywhere, though. It's just kind of how things work, you know. But to your point, it's like that doesn't mean that there isn't room for people to do good shit. Right, there's a and, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's plenty of room for that. It's just not – you're not going to get, like, Moonbird hype unless you know the right people. Moonbirds, Moonbirds need its own, like, miniseries around it. <laughs> Because yeah. I wouldn't say Moonbirds Moonbird didn't necessarily launch in like the bull, right? It was sort of. Things were pretty dead when Moonbirds. Right, things were sort of slow. Mm-hmm. I don't get what the hype is, to be honest. Like, I think it's. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. The hype is just that there's a couple big names behind it, <laughs> and there's a that whole, you know, infrastructure is built behind it for whatever reason. Right, but like they don't like they don't have any claim to fame. Wasn't Kevin Rose involved? But I don't know. Like, what what is what has he done? Come on. <laughs> well, I mean, what he actually has done doesn't matter if people think that he is a good 
if he's like an indicator of being able to make money, mm. then they'll follow him wherever. I mean, Beanie was a dog shit person. Archick was terrible. When people followed those that, those two till the end of the earth, they would they would ape into whatever project they were talking about. I never understood that. I mean. Me, like Beanie was to me was it was almost a meme on how obvious it was, but Art Chick, yeah. I from like, she was a little bit more low key. Like there were moments where it was obvious, you know, mm-hmm. that she's just sort of leading people over the edge or you know over a cliff. But she was like low key, and she was like really good at putting on this you know art first, community first mentality. Um. But it was so obvious to me from the beginning that this is not an influencer that I'd want to like follow. Yeah. Yeah, what a time. I miss those days. Simpler times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's all kind of crazy. All I wonder if do you think Beanie is still revel like relevant, like pumping and dumping? Is he even yeah, on Twitter? But he's on a different account doing the same thing. Oh. Uh, how does that work though? Like you just your name carries that much weight or you get to that size and you just always have a way to like, how did he become popular? Yeah, like, I just don't know how you keep carrying that clout have a crypto over from, from all the scams. Really? It's like that. Like... That's a big part of it. You have a punk, and then you leverage. I mean, it's like a Ponzi scheme. It's like a social Ponzi scheme. Mm-hmm. You know? There's a. What? I forgot what the story was exactly, but basically, it's like if you want to. Man, Burkowi, did you say this one where you're like. You go up to someone and you say like, "Hey, these other people are, yeah, you know, involved." And then you go to the other people and you say the same thing about the other people, and then like the social proof will get all of them to say yes. Right. Where if you said no one was on from the beginning, but we were trying, like they, no one would care. Exactly. Yeah. That like, you know, it's that like joke. You know, the 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 dad has like approaches Bill Gates and is like, "Hey, marry my or let my son marry your daughter." And Billy's like, why would I do that? And he's like, well, I don't know, freaking Warren Buffett is his godfather or whatever. And he just makes up all these like ridiculous connections. And once he yeah. establishes one, he could just go on to the next person and, you know, yeah, well, Bill Gates is my son's father-in-law. Maybe <laughs> this is a good marketing plan. I'm pretty sure that's how yeah. partnerships are, are just done in general even this isn't a web3 thing a lot of time partnerships like hey yeah we're in the talks with you know so and so let's just start telling people yeah we're in the talks with supreme whoever yeah yeah <laughs> let's just pick a pick a name yeah by the way i saw um i watched nope last night and i saw that like one of the characters was was rocking some rip and dip clothes like pretty heavily Wait, I don't know the words you're saying. <laughs> what, 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 what did you watch? Nope. nope. Yeah. Is it a, it's a movie? Do you, have you not heard of Nope? It's the new, like, Jordan Peele movie. Uh, I haven't heard of okay, it. Okay, do you know Rip and Dip? No. Yeah, I know Rip and Dip. That's a, it's like a, they're like a fashion brand. Right. It's that street, I don't. You never okay. seen, like, the, you never seen, like, the little white cat, like, flipping off? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'll know that. it for sure. It's like a skate brand. Yeah, like a Zoomies skate brand. I mean, they're pretty... They sort of blew up out of nowhere, but yeah, they were... Yeah, they're pretty big now, Yeah, I feel they're like. pretty big. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they were... You know, one of the characters were like all dressed in all rip and dip. 
which I thought was interesting because, you know, it's hard, man. It's hard to, you guys know best, but like to get into the streetwear and apparel game and make a name for yourself. So I thought that was like, well, that's an interesting approach. It's pretty cool. Wonder how much that cost him. Right. Was the movie good? Um, it wasn't my favorite of the Jordan Peele collection. Yeah. It's sort of oh, like it's about aliens. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed I'm not gonna go into it. Like I think it's one of those movies you go into it sort of not knowing anything. Yeah. But I enjoyed sure. watching it the whole time. I was really enjoying it. I was like, oh my god, you know, like there's like amazing comic relief and the cinematic stuff. It was I watched an IMAX, so it was an amazing experience. But at the end of it, I didn't feel really satisfied. Okay. Didn't wrap up. <laughs> yeah. All that, all that talk. Just to... <laughs> <laughs> but it was pretty, that's like, that's like most things in the space. Honestly. Dude, this is how I felt. Yeah. That's a bummer though. It's always the worst when like the aesthetics and like the topical stuff is great. And then at the end you're like, wait, what the fuck happened? <laughs> yeah. Maybe a lot of it went over my head. I know the, I know like us and get out. There's like all these themes and stuff that they kept foreshadowing, and you know, there's like all these deep symbols within the movie. Um, yeah. So maybe it just went over my head. Maybe. But yeah. It was cool. Maybe you are pretty fucking stupid. Right. That's the thing. I knew that going in too. <laughs> I was like, expectation. expectation is real. You know, I, I felt that way about Ozark a little bit. Uh, I can't really go into details without spoiling things. But did you, Boofy or Brickhouse, did you guys watch I've watched there? a little of those. I haven't. I haven't. Marty's, Marty didn't have a character arc. That the main and character? At the end, I was, yeah, mm-hmm. and at the end I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, everyone else had a nice character arc. Uh, and the show, was, the show was great. But then at the end I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> the, the character I cared about just didn't resolve. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I don't want to get into. Ozark movie reminds reviews. me of like Uncut Gems, and there's that other movie by the same director where it's just constant stress for like mm-hmm. the whole duration. That's yeah. it. That's their thing. Just stress. Just feel stressed out. That pretty much is it. Yeah, <laughs> that, right. that is that is the genre. All right. Well, do you guys want to kick this off officially? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> put it, put it in motion. Song. This, this is gonna be, uh, this is gonna be a rag talk with Brakawi. Everyone, we're, we're vibing, we're chilling. But uh, here's the theme song, just in case you yes. needed it to officially set up our illustrious space. <laughs>
He got rugged. Oh my god, he got rugged. Oh, what up, Mark? What up, Chels? Robo Roman? Maybe he switched accounts. Oh no, there he is. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Yo, that was actually much better than I thought it would be. Yeah, I thought you were gonna give us like a crappy flute song, sort of like a shaka thing. I can. No, no, that's it's fine. <laughs> I'm just impressed. <laughs> a couple spaces ago, we played. Uh, we we were getting like Kadzi to rap over the shittiest beats of oh, all God. time, and that yeah, that was a pretty good yeah. one. Well, welcome, Thank dude. You. We uh, we're making it official. Robo Ramen, aka Burkawi, aka the dawn of. You got this. What you got this. Oh. <laughs> I don't. Dude, I don't. <laughs> fucking fucking. <laughs> no pressure. I don't know what we got here. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm you? good. I'm good. And yeah, we don't. I feel like we're just vibing. We don't have to talk necessarily. Robo Ramen. We got like the immediate family in here. Yeah. Um, Good. I didn't want to talk about Robo Ramen anyways, <laughs> so I think that's that's perfect. That's I feel perfect. like you don't even want to uh, talk about NFTs. Dude, you started this off with like, yeah, NFTs are pump and dumb. <laughs> by the way, they are. Just to, just to that, start this well, off, here's here's the thing, right? Like, I've I've never been one to mince words about what I feel is going on in the space right. and what I feel like the real value mm-hmm. is. Um, and you know, I. Same with metaverses. Like I, I think metaverses are dog shit right now, mm-hmm. and I think I think we have a long road ahead of our, ourselves until they're even like somewhat relevant. Um, and so that's I mean that's why we're not doing any like metaverse wearables mm-hmm. for rags right off the bat because it's like it just feels like wasted energy by metaverse. And same with do you oh, mean like so that's oh, the yeah. thing with metaverses. I never was on like you know i was never pushing this metaverse idea because i don't understand it but mm-hmm. when you're talking about metaverses are you thinking like decentraland and like yuga's other side thing and like essentially games are we talking about games uh yeah that's what yeah i'm talking mostly about like web3 metaverses right i mean if you think about fortnite like technically that's a metaverse mm-hmm. i guess but it, you know, that's not what anyone's talking about when they're talking about metaverse and wearables and stuff. I always thought that's what a metaverse was until Facebook did that thing. And then it just confused me. Because Facebook's vision is like an actual like ready player one thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, but anyways, yeah, either whatever direction it is. Yeah, it, it never really appealed to me. Maybe I just don't have the vision. Yeah. I don't. Here's my, my general thoughts are like, okay, so what is a metaverse? Well, you're trying to, you're trying to recreate the world, but better. And so that people hang out there and it's like, well, okay, that's, that's doable in a certain light, but why not just the, like the real world's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. So why not just like add extra value there with the tools that we've got? Right. Right. Why don't, yeah. And why don't we just connect all of these ideas to like everyone around the world instead of it being limited to certain corners of the world. And that to me is, is enough. And that's sort of what got me into NFTs in the first place too, was this idea of it like truly being global and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like you said, there's already a lot of cool stuff going on and you know, another big, I'm a collector, whether it was NFTs or sneakers or collectibles or 
you know, whatever it was. And um, mm-hmm. when NFTs came around to me, that's what it, that's what was appealing to me was just collecting artwork from people I enjoy. And then there's this community around it and it was global. And because it was built on this blockchain and using Ethereum, countries that didn't even have a banking system can be involved. So now immediately you're opening up. It's not so much about like this country didn't have a bank system to be involved. It's more about this culture and this society that is usually represented through, you know, it's represent. It's sometimes represented, but not from the source. Like it's not people in these countries who are creating the art, creating the, you know, the uh, the ads or whatever it is. They're mostly just mm-hmm. being represented here in the West or in the U.S., um, which is cool. But now it's like, okay, we can actually work with artists or participate with artists in these in these countries, and they can share their story, their style, their vision. So that was always the biggest thing for me. So um, in a way, I always thought that's what like this metaverse concept was, was that like, okay, there's no more, there's no more barriers. And so we're just opening up all this cool stuff we're doing to everyone. It's completely accessible. Well, the reason it's like that is because they're dumb and poor (laughs) and we can't trust anything that they do or say. Yeah, so I think I think we're gonna run into trouble by opening that up to dumb people. It's too people. late. <laughs> I'm the we leader. Open, open Pandora's box. I'm the leader. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. I mean, I think you might have answered it, but uh, but framing it in a little bit different way, a lot of people are going to have to shift why they're in NFTs if they're going to stick around. You know, to our point earlier, like if you're not making money, you're more and you're here for only the money, you're likely to leave. Mm-hmm. So is that a vision that you see yourself driving th- towards even in this bear market? Or is there something else about NFTs that really gets your fire going? Right. Are you asking? Yeah. <laughs> no, to me, it could be. It could be exactly what you just said. Right, it, it is. I, I think a lot of people are going through that same kind of uh, crisis of meaning right no, now. No, I agree with you. They're like, if, and it's, you know, well, for me, because I'm also starting a project and, um, you know, I, I, I'm trying to create this sort of, this, this ever-expanding brand. And this was a passion that I was pursuing, you know, before NFTs. So once I got into this space, it started with this idea of like accessibility, you know, borderless art, connecting with people all around the world. Um, and that turned into me connecting with my favorite artists and whatnot. So then I found like a true sense of community, probably the strongest mm. sense of community I've, I've felt in my entire life. Um, and so for me, I'm already so deeply rooted in these connections that I made. Right. So mm. from a from like a business standpoint, someone who's trying to start a project, clear, obviously, you know, the conditions is not, it's not like it was a year ago. It's not nearly as lucrative, but I still do think you could find mm. success, uh, you know, even moving forward. It's not so much that like, yeah, you're going to create a doodles like project overnight. You still have to put in that work, mm. but still to me comparing it to 
the sort of traditional approach you would have to go through in like the web two space, it's a lot more appealing to me. So that's what's going to keep me around for the long run is I'm constantly just building and collaborating with people who I admire and I'm connected to and have become really close friends with me. Um, mm -hmm. And the, the thought of even like leaving all of that because, you know, it's not as the, the money is not as lucrative. It's not as favorable. It's strange to me that it sort of just like blows my mind. Yeah. I'd actually, I would love, it would be amazing if like there was some sort of, there was a way to find someone who was really prominent in the space and was doing a lot and then just sort of disappeared once things hit the fan mm -hmm. and get their take on it. You know? We could try and track Beanie down. <laughs> Let's get Beanie. I know what he looks like. That's a good start. Yeah. He's got, he's got to be somewhere. I know he's not completely gone. That's almost guaranteed, right? I'd love to do it with someone. Like, there's there's people who are in our circle, essentially. People who we've interacted with are in our discords who, who have just sort of disappeared, you know, for whatever reason, whatever they got going on. I would love a way to, mm -hmm. like, collect all that reasoning with them remaining anonymous or something. Not to call anyone mm -hmm. out, but it's just sort of like, yeah, you know, like, you, you, what, what, truly, what is the reason? Was it you were just getting bored, or you don't believe in what's going on, or were the, you know, the scams just too much, and you lost hope in this entire vision, or is it simply because you're not making money? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you either get scammed super early on and leave, or you stay long enough to make some money. Become the scammer. <laughs> maybe that too but i feel like you make some and then like you probably don't make too much more because like you know like everybody kind of gets a small enough win and then you're kind of like oh, okay well now i gotta get out of here because it's not producing anymore yeah i know I, i'm not sure if this is a great analog but my experience in 2017 because that's when i first started getting into crypto like seriously, like 2011, I knew what Bitcoin was. I, you know, had my, my tragic failure to mine Bitcoin <laughs> back in the day. But um, 2017 was really when I was like, oh, okay, I'm starting to understand it. Um, my friend introduced it to me and like explained shit. And I'm like, okay, I see, I see what's up. Um, what happened with me there, and I think it was less accessible even back then than it is with NFTs was I was just in it. I thought I liked some of the cool ideas. I bought the hype of some of these coins and I put, you know, I put a reasonable amount of money into some of these coins and then it, the whole market tanked to drop 90%. And I was like, fuck, well, okay. It's just like, I lost what I had put in. And so it's not like it, there was a choice. It's like, well, okay, I got to focus on, you know, making rent and shit. So I just, it just fell off my radar. Right. And then it came back on my radar when there was, you know, another opportunity to make money or the, you know, the money that I had invested previously came back. It's like, okay, well, there's, you know, there's enough stake here now to get back into it. So I think, I think we're coming at some of these problems from project workers and project founders where we have a much different, mm -hmm. we have a much different view than just the casual NFT enjoyer. Yeah, no, there's definitely, and you know, there's like, even from my stance, there's some privilege involved. Absolutely. 
You know, it's like I was able to set myself up so that I could, you know, have some security and explore the space and like just dive in. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, it's it's again, I, I, I do think, though, it comes back to like, what's the main drive for you? Is it money or is it the friends? Bitch. <laughs> that too. So it's don't tell my wife. But definitely, bitches. You're in the wrong space, dude. <laughs> Look who's up here. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I want to have a Rolex and be at the club. I saw one or two at New York. <laughs> You're in the wrong space, man. But yeah, yeah it's, fair. it's fair. you know. But curious. I know this is. I'm. Not, I'm not supposed to be like interviewing you or anything. But like, with rags, what do you think that? Because obviously, you guys are doing like the physical approach to nfts Mm -hmm. and trying to figure that out are there other examples of projects like that that you think are just so valuable and are outside of the pump and dump circle completely because you know you could put essentially any art first project under that depending on who's behind it and what influencers behind it generative but do you think there's projects that are using nfts and like trying to innovate it beyond just art Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the profile picture era was kind of a dark time. I didn't see much of that there, but rewinding further back into the one of one period, like I think I'll harp on it forever. I think that Mad Mad Dog Jones and his replicator project is something that really kind of sparked ideas for me. Mm-hmm. That was Yeah, that was awesome. Cuz he was a he was a big artist, you know, he he was he's really sought after he still is right so um but the replicator project was something to me for those of you who don't know what it was he basically released one nft called the replicator and then that replicator within the contract it would duplicate itself at given points in time and there would be chances for these photocopies to either error or print incorrectly or they would make other replicators and it would spread out that way throughout the ecosystem. And it was really fucking cool. And to me, that kind of made a light bulb go off in my head where it's like, okay, this is a medium. It's not, it's, it, you know, it's a paintbrush. It's not the, it's not the end. It's not the final artwork. You know, we, we can use the structure and the utility of NFTs for, for more than just making a uh, you know an image, a pretty picture, and being able to sell that. The one of one art wave was the first to come, obviously, because it's easiest to just you're already making digital art. You just upload it and then put it on an NFT. And then profile pictures were a little bit more advanced. They take a little bit more work. You know, they take gener- generative stuff. They take developers. And then I think the next wave. Uh, is going to be projects, you know, hopefully like us that are saying, okay, well, what's what's the real world use for NFTs? You know, why does it matter that I can own things and prove that I own things digitally? And then extrapolating from that and then providing like actual useful real world items for people. I probably went off on a tangent there. No, 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 sorry. I didn't realize I was muted. Uh, I actually pinned the replicator thing because yeah, I remember 
I remember when that came out. That was amazing. <laughs> it was really fucking sick. It didn't get nearly the hype that it deserved, in my opinion. Right, right. I agree. It, it was very, very creative and interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, Pac obviously is doing some stuff, but his world's a little dense for me. It's, like, hard. It's not accessible. It's a little too heady. Um, yeah. So I think Fuck Render does a good job. Um He's hit or miss on like his experimentation of NFTs as a medium, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's tough. I don't see as much. I, I think right now is where people are starting to think about that and starting to, you know, have a come to Jesus moment and say like, okay, like what are NFTs? Like I, the hype following the hype doesn't pay the bills anymore. So I think people are kind of figuring out what that looks like for each individual project right now. I don't know, Boofy, do you have anyone who stands out in your mind or, you know, even running it back to you, Burkawi? I mean, I think obviously gaming projects stand out a good amount, but I feel like NFTs either increase accessibility for people, you know, so if you're not doing that, then your project's probably not going to reach far, especially like you were saying, like some crowded, even some of the gaming projects have gotten crowded now, it feels like. But I either feel like you you increase accessibility to something or you tie value to, like, rarity. I don't know what else an NFT can really do. Authentication, too, I guess. Well, what is, like, even, you know, because the idea behind you guys' streetwear is that it is going to have this, um, like, the tag behind it, right? And that's going to be able to authenticate that you own, like, the NFT but with these, so like even even Nike is doing the same thing. How does that benefit the actual the wearer or the holder? I feel like it benefit for in Nike's case because they're really pushing this AR thing as well. I feel like mm-hmm. it just benefits Nike. It's just sort of like a marketing. Yeah. Right. I mean, like they're well, doing this AR thing. People are gonna take pictures of it, post it on social media. I, I, I get the, that. I feel like authentication wise, it like benefits the holder because if you go through like StockX or eBay. You know, there is fees and they do do like an appraisal service where they authenticate. So mm-hmm. if you can eliminate that process, that's less money on everyone, technically. Right. Yeah, that's very Yeah. Cool. The authentication is the meat and potatoes of it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think on top of that, I think having a having an open channel where you can provide extra value to your customers and have that direct customer relationship. Uh, I think that's important for brands. I think, I think there's going to be some creative stuff that brands utilize uh, digital assets in that way. Right. So because I, the, the cool part is that if people if people decide they want to transfer their, you know, you uh, say I buy something from Boofy on the street, um, I can choose to transfer that ownership of the physical item or not. But if I do transfer it, say there's like a monthly giveaway that I'm entered into and they can like drop value onto that wallet. You know, that that's really good for, for, uh, for customer value. And it's, an open link. It's way cooler than a spammy email. 
once a month saying like, Hey, here's a 10% code, buy our stuff. Mm-hmm. There's, there's just a lot you can do. So I think, I think it's valuable for brands in that aspect. And I think it's valuable for customers in that same aspect where no matter where your item goes, you have track of it in some way in the physical world and you can add value to whoever, uh, whoever holds it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I remember I remember early on because my first like one of one stuff that I was dropping were all it was like the sneaker art essentially that I was creating and I was even collaborating with the or it was in the works, it sort of fell off, but uh these custom sneaker designers who make these one of ones. And you know, at first there was as soon as this was like early days, Clubhouse. So when we were talking about this people this one guy came up on the stage and was introduced this idea of like an NFC chip that, you know, you could um, make part of the shoe, put it in the sole or something like that. And that was the first time this idea came up in my, you know, on my radar. And I think it's one of those things that once it comes out, it might not be understood immediately, but it's, you know, once it's enough, like Nike, that's going to be huge, whether whether or not they use the technology the right way, I think them just making it mainstream and having people become accustomed to it is really important. And it's not so much that this innovative, this this new technology is so innovative, it's going to change the world, but the culture just sort of shifts. It's, it slowly starts to adapt and comes around to this idea of like, yeah, there is purpose behind authenticating this. Yeah, Nike did us a huge, uh, a huge favor because they, uh, they released, you know, they got it, they got it in the ethos. Mm-hmm. It's out in the air now, and right. Uh, in my opinion, they didn't do it the best. I think they're pretty short sighted on a few things, and you know, to your point, I think having a metaverse wearable, having it be AR, and like it's kind of gimmicky because mm-hmm. we all know what happens when you. You know, you find a new Snapchat filter and it's like, well, you take like five pictures with it and then you just don't care. It's like you take your hoodie to the party and like you show, you like try and show off to some bitches about it. And then like you never, you never tap it for AR again. <laughs> it's funny because I know firsthand because I would make a lot of these like AR filters and stuff that like in my, during my agency days, you know, mm-hmm. and whatever, like snapchat um all these like instagram mostly we'd have i remember for american music award or something like that we did a filter on instagram and it took us about a month to make this thing mm-hmm. and the whole time i'm making it you know i'm just a, i'm just a pawn in this i'm just a simple gear in this like system but the whole time making it i was like man this is so disconnected nobody's gonna use this filter and if it is yeah. being used <laughs> it's going to be for like you know it's a single day minimum. Yeah. And then it's not really going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I wonder if they're, they're like experimenting where the technology is cool. Like I think filters, they prove themselves to be a staple sort of in like social media. People use mm-hmm. filters all the time, but I don't think that like brand promotion is the right way to use it. So maybe that's, it's a similar situation with Nike and I just, you know, I don't, that's sort of what you're able to see because you're so well, well connected to it. But yeah, I think it, you're right. Like using this technology 
to just promote your brand, it's not it's not going to be like a timeless. It's going to be very forgettable, essentially. Right. You need to. Well, it, I mean, that's the tough part, right? It's like with this technology, you first off, you need to add value, like real value, not gimmick value to your customer. And then ideally that would create a situation where there's status involved with that. So like, you know, there is a future in which depending on what clothes you wear, you have certain AR filters and you can only use those AR filters if you have those clothes. And then that becomes a status symbol on social media. But that's like a whole cultural revolution. You know, that's not something you can just, just toss out there. Like you need to build the right infrastructure for that. Right. So that's why, I mean, that's why we're more concerned with stuff that like, what would give value right now? You know, not thinking about 10 years in the future when this or this may, may or may not happen, you know, like metaverse or like everyone caring about what AR filter they have. Like right now, what do you want to do that would require, require your physical to be digitally provable? And I mean, I saw BT just hopped in here, like tickets, tickets is a huge one. Giving bands easy access to their fans say, I buy a BT hoodie. I get a VIP spot at BT's next concert and I just have to scan my hoodie to get into the VIP lounge. You know, like that, that shit is stuff that people are already doing. The value is already there and it just makes it easier. And also because of how the hoodie works, because of our chip is a wallet, you could then track with like via ticket stubs or via via limited edition airdrops onto that garment or onto that physical you can prove where you've been. There's like a legacy and like, that's just, just mm-hmm. immediately cool for people. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't require a big leap in technology or a big, like social ethos change. It's like, what, like what do people want now? Right. Yeah. I like the idea of airdropping tickets or some sort of value to kind of get that. I mean, people want to avoid it, but like get the, like the marketing and almost in a way ad revenue, mm-hmm. you know, it creates that feedback loop where if you provide value to them, you know, they'll go and provide value back to you by spreading your name. Right. I mean, even if you use it as a, as a collectible, you know, something to collect items, like you can do that in your digital wallet for sure. But there, there is something just some, something tangible about going to a place and then proving that you were at that place. Like, that's just fun. I used to keep my ticket stubs, Cause I, I would like look through them every once in a while and be like, yeah, that concert was fucking sick. Like the lead singer, like hung th- from the rafters and it was like, that was fucking wild. But like yeah. having that, having that tied to a physical is like, that's really cool. Like it proves that that, that item was there on that day. Right now you've got people, you know, I mean, you got stylists, like celebrity stylists and stuff and they, you know, they're the middlemen that prove that stuff. But if you can prove that stuff uh, at the origin, just by scanning that's i mean that's a game changer yeah i really like that i'm thinking back on like uh you know for example the weekends after hours that whole experience the whole story like he told from the beginning mm-hmm. um to and the sort of like character that he developed and the creative directors he worked with and stuff like i'm curious if they had this technology in their hands how it would be further developed Right. And like having fans engage with it mm-hmm. beyond just waiting for a new YouTube video to drop or seeing him live and, the, you know, the character develop further. 
Um, yeah, that's some some really cool stuff there. Although, you know, like with that being said, I am really big, obviously, on the creating value now, but I am really big on the slow social movement culture shift mm-hmm. angle as well. That's actually mm-hmm. what really appeals to me is that sort of like long term what technology can we start slowly developing and thinking about and ride the wave so that it does start shifting culture a little bit. And I think just that, just the idea of creating artwork, even generatives, um, it's already starting to do that. Obviously we've put a lot more value into artists this last year. Mm -hmm. And we've realized that, you know, the same way people enjoy and connect with music, people, enjoy, you know, connect to visual art. So we, we sort of shifted from this idea of like, you just create art to sell stuff for other companies, or you create art to put on your Instagram feed and get a couple likes mm-hmm. to no, there's actually like value and people connect to this stuff emotionally. And at a larger extension that educated a lot of artists and creators on how to value themselves so that when they did go into the commercial world, they knew, you know, where they stood. Mm. So, you know, that's something not a, a lot of collectors for sure aren't going to think about that. Um, artists, depending on their experience, might or might not really consider that. That's something that I've always like, wow, this is huge. You know, um, people, artists who were on Fiverr, trying to you know maybe maybe this was like a side hustle for them something shifted to them that like no i'm an actual artist and i could do this and when you have that happening to thousands of people it you know it it created a little bit of a wave so it's not it's it might not be something that you feel immediately but when you just sit down and think over the last year of like these little they're essentially consequences of what happened there's a lot and they are pretty powerful um, but yeah, I, I, I like a lot what you're saying, obviously, like about that creating value now, but another exciting angle for me is that slow, all right, what are we going to do today that 10 years from now, people are going to look back and be like, damn, you know, yeah. it's a know, great story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had my, I had my business orphan hat on. I didn't have my, uh, my dreamer orphan hat on. So. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's a great perspective and, you know, that stuff's super valuable. Right. And so, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go for it. If you had something more to say on that. No, nothing important. Well, so like, where do you see, because your your example of like Fiverr and versus what artists are charging for, I mean, even for discord emojis, you know, I've gotten quotes for like wild amounts and I, you know, you go on Fiverr and it's like 10 bucks for the same work. Right. And it's like, well, so do you think that those prices have to, as, as NFTs become more ubiquitous, those prices have to meet somewhere. Do you think that Web3 is going to end up down at those prices because designers are going to be um, just using the technology for the technology and they're going to be lowering their prices to get the client work? Or do you think that it's going to elevate traditional artists into knowing what value they bring? I, I I mean it's it might be optimistic. Um the Fiverr example is like very extreme, right? Because we're yeah. truly looking at like the exact opposite ends of the spectrum. So yeah, it it'd be silly to think that, you know, Fiverr is gonna disappear and that artists who are, you know, 
in where I'm from, like in North Africa or Africa in general, Southeast Asia, South America, who just have a much can, when it's when it's up against the U.S. dollar, their cost of living is much lower. Mm -hmm. um, it's yeah, it's ridiculous to think that yeah, you know, if I was going to disappear and these artists are going to raise their rate, so now they're meeting the standard that we have out here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that there will be you know, just educating people on this scale, it might make Fiverr maybe not as favorable, even for transparency sake, you know, for businesses like, oh, you're going the Fiverr route when you actually do have artists who are educated at a large scale. And not only are artists educated at this point, but community members, collectors, whatever it may be, whatever example or setting you want to put this in. So it's it's not so much that like the rate is going to change, but I think that businesses are going to start thinking about, OK, maybe this ten dollars isn't fair for this artist. Let me talk to them privately and find a fair uh, medium, you know, that we're both happy with um, because I don't want to get wrecked on Twitter <laughs> when this when this five artist comes out and is like, you know, I got I only I did all this board ape artwork for ten dollars. Um, and, you know. For example, like that's another extreme is when Yuga Labs came out. Yuga Labs came out with Bored Apes. We never really knew the artists, and once Seneca came out as one of the lead artists, nobody really knew that she was behind Bored Apes. And she's extremely talented, and you know she started sharing her early sketches, and she shared that she was compensated, but not quite at the level that she should have been. And um, I don't know what happened if Yuga Labs did go back and sort of compensate her, but the support that she got as an artist from that, you know, that's massive. That's unheard of uh, before NFTs. Like she has her own community now that I'm in, All Seeing Seneca. And uh, from that, she's going to find value. She's going to find other jobs, other opportunities, connections that are bigger and better that fit her true value. So there's still always going to be, you know, the Fiverr and the cheap jobs and outsourcing um but away from the sort of like monetary just move away from the money for a second in people's eyes digital artists are more are more valued now they just have a higher sense of value um and that's 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 only going to result in positive stuff so you know mm -hmm. i think web3 it's it's yeah People are going to lean on Fiverr. People are going to lean, always look for these cheaper prices, but it's, uh, it's overall, it's going to move in the right direction. That's sort of my take on it. Okay. I think that's fair. I think that's yeah. fair. I think you raised some good points. And I, you know, I certainly, I'd love to see that. Um, I mean, as I've, a, as I've an had artist, some... I'd love to see it as a business owner. I want to pay someone $5 to make board apes, you know? <laughs> right right i actually have a friend i have a friend who's who's in libya a friend of mine we worked on some like we worked we worked on a ton of artwork and comic books together over the years but he he has to you know like he's like a dentist full time but truly he's an artist at heart he's just not valued where he's from so he's on fiverr and he's extremely talented i can't believe how talented his work just blows me away even 10 years later mm -hmm. um but NFT projects approached him on Fiverr, on Solana, and he had no idea what NFTs were. He just, they said like, yeah, just make these traits and it's really easy for him to make traits. Um, but, you know, he was telling me that essentially he gave them a really cheap flat rate 
and they went along with it. But once they sold and like minted out, they gave him a huge bonus that is money he's never seen before in his entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, would that would that business transaction or would that founder or whatever do that if it wasn't in the Web three space? I think there's this sort of obviously there's really bad actors, but there is this belief, and it's part of the sort of Web three culture to do right by your community and by the team, whatever their motive is, maybe they didn't want to get in trouble or maybe they just are genuinely like, you know what, we came up on this project. Let's all eat together. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think you would see that if, you know, they, if this was just like a fast fashion brand who approached him and wanted some graphic tees. Sure. For sure. So that's, that stuff keeps me really, really excited, man. Like on, you know, it's so easy to just look at, the standard right now and all the bad actors and you know the sort of economic situation out here even just in just being in the u.s and being turned off but when you just sort of like think on a global scale scale and all the different unique stories that are out there that you can't even really fathom and all the success stories that are coming along with it they might be small for us but these are huge wins for other artists mm-hmm. um you know they're just not massive and on twitter spaces every day sharing them that that sort of keeps me going. Yeah, yeah, I I like that. I like that thought process. I like the the optimism and the you know artist first way of thinking about things. Have to I, find I, some light. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really hope that that is the case. It it worries me. It worries me how Web two and Web three will coalesce. Because I think we're, we all agree that it's, you know, that's the track, right? They're going to, it's not like one's going to take over the other. They're going to, they're going to mix. And depending how that mix ends up is going to determine a lot of this stuff. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm hopeful, but I'm, I'm curious, I'm curious, curious to watch it play out. You know, and I think that's why a lot of us are still here. So we can affect that to whatever degree we can. You know, right. I don't want right. to, you know, I don't want to pay artists zero dollars you know i want to i want to still run a successful business but you know i want to give people what they're worth i'm not out here to try and fuck everyone Mm -hmm. so you know i think the more of us that are out here doing that the better the better shot we have to not get you know corporatized yeah that's a big one and even even just educating like with you know before this mix even happens just with us that are here right now, you know, corporations aren't even in, but that Saudi project, for example, um, that released a couple weeks ago, that's, you know, when projects come around like that, it was so obvious to me that this is just, it might not offend people because, you know, it's really easy to jump on the out of stereotype and make fun and poke, you know, and poke fun at that region because it's just been sort of desensitized. But, immediately i knew what would happen and i knew that like if this was the standard then what's next is going to be worse and shortly after saudis dropped dropped the asians and they were going off of really hurtful asian stereotypes and then the nigerians and then the you know and it was like yeah this was <laughs> really obvious this was going to happen nobody got upset when it was the saudis mm-hmm. but then people started getting angry um and it's like okay well it's sort of our responsibility to speak up against this and like you know, be around, even if you don't want to speak up against it, maybe, 
you know, at least you're seeing people or you're around people who have a certain, I, you know, a certain belief around these projects that is allowing you to like, you know, when the next one comes around, be alert that we can't just, you can't just value everything that releases because it's on the blockchain. <laughs> like you have to decide where we put our value. I don't know hardly so, anything about those. Did those sell well? Yeah, they did really well. Really? Yeah. No, this is, yeah. I'm just, they, I'm afraid now someone in here is going to go like, <laughs> get in on this. <laughs> but no, they did, they did well. I think they had, I mean, it was a little pump and dump from what I, what I saw, but it hit that, you know, it went past one ETH or something. Who knows what it's at now? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think this comes full circle and I also want to get some, uh, some questions if anyone has them before we uh, cut this thing cut this thing loose but um, it kind of does bring it around full circle where it's like oh, like I mean what what like are these pump and dumps like what are what are those projects here for you know they're, they're you know I don't think they're here for anything positive they're, they're just here to make crypt, crypto punk derivatives based on uh, stereotypes and it's like well mm-hmm. Okay, if a bunch yeah. of people want to ape in so that they can flip it on other people, it's like, you know, that's not the shit that's going to last. So it's almost like you just, in my opinion, it's almost like you just ignore it and like wait for it to fucking go through. Because mm-hmm. when 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 real stuff comes along, people people resonate with it, people fuck with it. Mm-hmm. So that's been my theory, but you know, obviously, it doesn't always in the short term. It doesn't always work out like that. In the long term, I feel like it does always if you persevere. Right. Well, that also, like, if I, just before we wrap this up, let me inject some Roboramon into this at least. But no, nope, we got to go, guys. No, Thank no, no, no. Let me get the theme song real quick. <laughs> quick plug. Quick plug. <laughs> but, like, no, seriously, there's, you're talking about this mix of Web 2, Web 3. We're talking about are these projects pump and dumps? What's their purpose, actually? But there are a handful of projects. A lot of the top projects that we consider successful, Doodles, Board Ape, Moonbirds, um, they're creating a brand that is going to spill into like Web2. And if this is inevitably going to happen, I think I like what Betty said too when she was on Mark's podcast of like, we're not in Web3, this is Web2.5. So realistically, if we're thinking about the timing that all of this is happening and if the mix you know like the mainstream web 2 stuff enters wouldn't you rather support a true you know web 3 brand uh that goes into web 2 and continues to build but you know they're they've been here from the beginning and the start and their focus is web 3 than supporting a web 2 brand that's trying to break into the web 3 spot into the web 3 space right so I still, I, you know, there's all these pump and dumps and projects that aren't going to go anywhere. But my biggest thing for generatives, at least, are watching projects that are just trying to create a brand. And they're partnering outside of Web3 even. And they're, you know, establishing sort of a culture the same way that streetwear brands do. Uh, that's always been my example. I always, it always comes back to like Thrasher Magazine for me and, you know, Supreme or even the jackass squad of like just a group of people who have this sort of counterculture belief and are starting a venture together. Um, in our case, it's around artwork, but it could, it could go really anywhere, you know, like 
I would have never thought you guys are going to do this other deeds metaverse thing. But once I saw it and I, and I started to like see the demo and stuff, I was really excited that a web three native brand is the one that's exploring this, this technology and this, um, you know, they're going at this angle of like a new RPG with, I think it was 4,500 people in the same spot. I'm really happy that it was Yuga that's doing this rather than Blizzard. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of my, I'll leave it on that. It's like, you know, among all of these pump and dumps, there, there are still projects out here that are exploring what it means to, to be a web three project. And that's going to mean mixing in with the web two industry. And I'm here to support it. Hell yeah. Specifically for Robo Ramen, what, what's coming up for you guys? Um, what's on the, on the horizon for you guys and how did people get involved? Yeah, we're, so this would be like the first, but we're doing sort of a huge identity update where we've literally been building in this, in this, uh, in this sort of downtime. And um, I'm really excited because we even have like these awesome partnerships in the talk um, trying, we're exploring, you know, essentially like, okay, what's the next step after, after launch. And for example, I was just in a call with, you know, the Atmos Japan team, um, which is, which is huge for me, something that before NFTs seemed unattainable, but you know, now everyone's interested. Um, but yeah, we're, we're essentially having a completely new look and direction. And by that, I mean the, the sort of branding, not the actual project We're the artwork, we're still moving on that. And, we have all these art collaborations that have still yet to be announced. Um, so yeah, I would just stay tuned in like these next couple of weeks for that to roll out. And um, yeah, we're, it's been as, as like, I've been artist mode the last few weeks, which is difficult because you constantly have to juggle like, all right, am I managing this business? Like what's, am I just worried about marketing or can I just create art? So I've been artist mode and that's like my, that's my zone. So I'm excited to like show all this stuff off now. Hell yeah, man! That's what that's the hardest part, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I run into that a lot where it's like I just want to sit down and like design clothes and like mm -hmm. I just want to like make cool shit and post it on Twitter. And it's like, well, but I gotta I gotta work on these contracts. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's like, god damn it. Yeah. But, well, this this downtime was sort of an excuse for me. So yeah. Um, you know now, but yeah, I'm really excited. We're about to pick stuff up exactly where I left it off. And uh, that's sort of like the next phase. So I think everyone here is, I'm like looking through, if you're not following Robe Ramen already, I think it's in the title. Yeah, Robe Ramen NFT. There you go. Yeah. Robe Ramen's listening as well. I don't know who you got on that account, but. That's me. No, I'm just you're, joking. You're doing that's, <laughs> that's Luffy. Nah. Fuck, man. Uh, yeah, so go ahead and give Robo Ramen a follow. You guys got a Discord now, right? Yep, that's right. Hop yeah, on into Discord. Make sure to um, install as many webhooks as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. Allow, uh, approve all when you get oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, open, open your DMs, and there is a mint going on right now. Oh, so God. Make sure to, make right, sure right. to click on those links. <laughs> oh, it's, you never know, dude. You never, this is a joke. This is all a joke. <laughs> You never know. Mark is listening in here, man. He's he tends to tends to fall for those. <laughs> Mark, don't get rugged, dude. 
All right, man. I'm going to play you out. Thank you so much for being on. Always a pleasure to chat Absolutely. with you. Absolutely. Thank um, you. Pleasure we got to We got to get a Robo Ramen rags situation going on. Yo, Sorry we should talk about that. There could Yo, be there could be a cool way to figure that out. Probably have to get liquid involved. <laughs> but let's we do get it. liquid involved. Once he learns how to use Blender, I'll get liquid involved. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. I don't want to dive into that. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, unless you want to learn CAD. Right, CAD or whatever you do. <laughs> but thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me and allowing me to just rant and chat. You got it, man. My pleasure. Big round of applause. Thank you, dude. And thank all of you fucks for being here and listening to us ramble for an hour and seven minutes. It's been beautiful. Just rag it. Just rag it.